Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The been thinking about McDonald's all day can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Dave Hanready, welcome to a standalone interview edition of No Encore, in which I converse with the magical duo known as Morgana McIntyre and Gemma Doherty, known to music lovers across the land as Saint Sister. Really quick before we move on, just a quick plug for the No Encore Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash noencore. That's the place to go if you like what we do as a show and you'd like to support us. If you're new, by the way, just checking us out for the first time, stay with us. I promise you it's a fun time. Every Friday, there's a new episode in which we go through the week's music news, we review an album, and we do a top five countdown list, myself and my co-host Craig Fitzpatrick, uh, two former hot press soldiers from many years ago who somehow still have a love for music and music journalism and all that kind of stuff. Uh, for the low, low price, price of five euro per month you can get access to bonus episodes bespoke playlists weekly show previews the famous no encore bingo card and our our undying eternal immortal gratitude i wrote that down they all mean the same thing patreon.com slash no encore if you want to help out the show the show is free of course but you know there is bonuses and stuff and you know everyone feels good about it i think maybe uh thank you so much to those who are already giving and thanks seriously just for listening in general really at the very least consider telling a friend about no encore you cannot beat that wonderful word of mouth power and by the same token you cannot defeat the momentum of saint sister morgana and Gemma were a few dates into a u.s tour with keen around the time that the pandemic hit last year and unfortunately unavoidably had to return home as everything paused and the time since they've been writing new material but they've also been tweaking and finessing their brand new album which is out now it's called where i should end and it's a fantastic record it's truly beautiful confident and multi-layered step up from their debut record shape of silence a few years ago and if that record represented the culmination of saint sisters kind of i suppose you know first kind of formative atmosphere laden chapter where i should end asks new questions both of the listener and of the band itself there are worlds here rich vastly populated worlds and others that are unique 
uniquely singular to visit. There are battles and bruises, losses and victories. There's the kind of strange clash of the mundane and the enchanting coming together, like bumping into one another awkwardly at a party and not knowing what to say to one another. And yet somehow the conversation and the dialogue is found absolutely beautifully by Morgana and Gemma. Their relationship, their evolving relationship, now firmly embracing specific individual roles that bring them together closer in a musical sense. I was in town in Dublin last Friday on the day of the release of this record and I swung by the St. Sister pop-up shop on Drury Street in order to kind of, you know, feed my insatiable vinyl addiction. Uh, it's interesting, that day was a quite frankly ridiculous one for album releases, both Irish and international, and it was really, really sweet to see some familiar faces there and many more strangers waiting their turn to pick up the record and say their congratulations. Later, when Morgana and Gemma played some songs on the street, even the rain did the decent thing and got out of the way for a while. People root for this band. I think as Craig said in Friday's episode, people will take notice of this album in particular. And with all that said, I'm really happy to present this standalone interview episode with Saint Sister, talking all about where I should end, the pros and cons of melancholic karaoke, some of the more experimental efforts on the album and how even the most frustrating day of writing can conjure up something of value. The difficult second album cliche and whether or not that applies, a perhaps controversial approach to cover songs and plenty more. They're terrific company and I really hope you enjoy this one. So without further rambling from me, your host Dave Hanready, this is me in conversation with a little bit of rambling with Saint Sister who do not ramble and are great. Please enjoy this. by Morgana McIntyre and Gemma Doherty, also known, collectively known as Saint Sister. Hello. Welcome back to the show. It's been some time. Yes, yeah. Thanks for having us back. Uh, Delighted to have you back and delighted to finally be talking to you, especially in the run up to, of course, when this podcast is out, your album will be out, the sophomore Mm -hmm. record, Where I Should End. And congratulations, I guess, is the first thing that somebody should say in my position. So congratulations. (laughs) Do you want to say it? Uh, well, you know, I mean, like, like I'm not reviewing it, but, oh, okay, uh, yeah. but if I was, it would get a strong, strong, positive review. <laughs> okay, me. good to know before we begin. Um, people talk all the time, or, or I guess fucking dickhead music critics like me talk all the time about <laughs> the idea of a difficult second album. It's one of the biggest cliches in the mm-hmm. book. Uh, Gemma, we'll start with you. Yeah. Did that apply whatsoever, or was this a breeze? <laughs> like, it's never a breeze. Um, but I think we've chatted a bit this week about how, like, we sort of... Uh, we find the first one a bit tricky because we had released a few things in the run-up to that, EPs and singles and things, and started touring before we ever recorded an album. So I think we, we had a bit of expectation on ourselves for the first one. Um, and it took us a long time and all the rest. Um, the second one felt easier because we, we did it quicker. Um, but, you know, not easier, but I think for us it was a case of just, like, having settled into the process a bit more and, like, knowing what we were doing a bit more and, and understanding what we wanted a bit more. So from that point of view, it was like, it was more straightforward. Like we knew all the mistakes that we made. Mm-hmm. Not, Jesus, we made a million, you know, you always make mistakes, but I mean, there were specific things that we were like, okay, we're not going to do that again. Yeah. Or we didn't know that that's how that went. We didn't know that would take that long. Um, so yeah, it's a funny one, the, the old uh, send up of the second record, but I don't know, I guess... What do you think? Well, I think the biggest thing that um, I felt pressure over was time on the first record. I just mm. remember people saying, well, like, is that album not due out yet? And people, not that loads of people were waiting for it, but I guess um, we were asked why it was taking us so long. And then because we happened to write and record the next record quite quickly, that to me felt like we were sneaking up on everyone and the pressure seemed to dissipate. Like that was the thing that was holding all the pressure for me. And I just, I felt like I was just so delighted that we managed to to um, get it done so quickly. But then 
the world changed, the pandemic hit, <laughs> and now it's two or whatever, three years later, and yeah. we're finally release, releasing it. But I think that's what really held that pressure for me, the, the time the thing. Time, yeah. So you have like been, kind of been sitting on this record for a little while. I mean, it's a question I've asked uh, several musicians, and I guess it's different for different people. But like, is that like how frustrating is that to be like this is done, this is ready? Yeah. We're probably writing other songs. Mm. It, it's frustrating, but it it has given us a lot of time to reevaluate stuff with the band. Yeah. And I don't think we would have come to a lot of decisions that we came to this year had we not had that time. We spent loads of time on the visuals and it's just something we rushed before. And I love the first record and everything to do with it, but I'm so glad we had the time to really think about those things. And, um, and yeah, with the videos going from not being in them at all and kind of and insisting upon that to being in them and dancing in them and and kind of being much more centered at, in terms of all that stuff I think we needed the time and space to do that and mm. we just we wouldn't have done it without it so although I'm dying to get these songs out there I'm so glad we had the space to think about all that stuff and, and what it's going to look like live and all that kind of stuff so when the first kind of I guess promotional imagery for this record came about like there is a shot of you guys standing on I think it's like a sea point or something and you're wearing these incredible suits mm-hmm. which I believe were commissioned specifically for you and it's something charity related as well help me out here perhaps not charity related but uh, unfortunately but Aileen Gaynor uh, is the designer she's an amazing uh, Irish designer based in Brooklyn um, sorry New York I'm not sure if it's Brooklyn I think it's Brooklyn Um and she basically we've been a fan of hers for ages and we wanted to we were just thinking about what we what we should wear on stage and the idea of sustainability came into it and not buying a shitload of clothes from ASOS before touring taking them all around the all around the world with us and like weighing us down and just it just felt nice to have these like one suits mm-hmm. that you'd wear every day and that they would be your work outfit I guess your yeah like your uniform you can step into and be like in a in a place or like that you're on stage you know because we never really had did that before yeah so then we reached out to her and couldn't believe that she I think we just got perfect timing she's so busy but she just had this window of time free before she headed back to New York and she made these suits for us and um yeah it felt really nice to put them on and kind of feel like you were more than yourself in those moments um yeah like a bit of a suit of armor yeah, because it's like, it's not that you haven't been front and centre, it's not like an underground project necessarily, but I guess seeing that, I was like, oh, well, this feels like it, like obviously a choice, a decision. Mm. Um, I guess maybe like the question's already answered, but like the idea of, is is it a case of trying to step into like a persona? Like, is it a case of leaving the songwriter behind and then becoming, and the producer behind and then becoming something, you know, kind of specifically, I guess, in the, not pop vein, but like kind of personality wise, like like, like what was the kind of thinking behind that? I think it's just like that thing of being able to own it a bit more and maybe the first time it wasn't it was like the air of like I would always have been like the fan of like the air of mystery and like Mm. you're not really here but like you are at the end of the day you have to do all that stuff anyway you know it's press shots and it's like you're on stage like you're attached to it regardless um, unless you really go the other way which we didn't so it's kind of like just just kind of step into it a bit more and, and own it a bit more and not be afraid to just like be a bit more direct with it I think like we weren't on our first album artwork um that was never a question but um yeah it's just something we kind of wanted to step into more this time I think it's yeah it's just a question of confidence and being more comfortable in our own skins and I think there was a load of things going on in my head um around the first one in terms of that I thought it was like cooler to be a bit more mysterious and and that like up front wasn't exactly yeah the more poppy kind of uh, vibe wasn't as cool I think I thought and also just that suited me because I didn't want to be centered in it because I was really insecure about loads of different things and those things still exist but I just think we feel a bit more power in our on ourselves and in our art and I I definitely feel like I'm more able to take ownership of that and, and I want to be centred in it rather than kind of throwing the music out in front and hiding behind it. I feel like it's more, uh, yeah, that it like is around us and that we're in it more. So Gemma mentioned process earlier on and like, correct me if I'm wrong because I could be, but is it a case of this record is a very specific like split in terms of, I guess, division of labour or delineation of roles like mm. Morgana, songwriter, Gemma producer I'm sure there's ideas being bounced back and forth but was that a decision that was made at a certain point and how did that process come to be and how did you find that kind of 
I guess, just taking on those specific roles individually? I think that's kind of, that's how we've always operated um, as a as a duo or as a band, but it took us a while to really kind of cement that or realise that, I think. Mm. Like, at the very start, um, you know, we, we'd go away and try and write songs together and we'd be in a room and we'd be bouncing ideas back and forth, but it was like we hadn't fully, like, called it that that was, that that was the dynamic. And I think that meant that we hadn't fully realised that, like, you mightn't be in the same head for the same song at the same time or, you know, you might, you're going to be in a specific headspace to write lyrics and that mm. doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to be in front of you playing chords and yeah. being like, what do you think of this? And vice versa. So I think we kind of, it just took us a while to kind of settle into that. And the, the, as the years went on, it just became a lot more like you would write in your own time, you would send things to me, I would build some things around it, send it back to you and we'd go mm. back and forth. And I think... Yeah, that just kind of solidified this time and and felt like, I think for this whole process, that's that's kind of how, how it was. Yeah, I think, again, it's just confidence and being able to admit to yourself what you can and can't do. Like, I am not good at producing and I love to be involved and I love um, Gemma to be involved in my songwriting and, and I'll always ask her what she thinks of lyrics or if she thinks that they could be better. But there's so much that Gemma can do that I can't. And instead of me trying to, like, to do it just to feel like there's that you're across everything it's it's so much easier if I just I'm like Gemma yeah leave it all to you and that you can do all the instrumentation and arranging and kind of flex in that way we just like trust each other with the other thing I think and and, and in the same vein like I have no like I don't have a word in my head you do <laughs> I you don't think you do don't. but I don't like we, you know we don't think about things yeah. in the same way that way and it's actually really good yeah. We're never like fighting for the same space. It's never like, oh, I really wish we could. We just kind of, I think, allow each other the space to do our own things yeah. <laughs> within the same song. Uh, I'm kind of jumping ahead to the end of the record for a second, but like, mm-hmm. I guess who do we have to thank for the kind of um, incredible arpe- arpeggiator effect that kind of comes in towards the end and, and, it, 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 <laughs> and, and then it starts off Any Dreams? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's yeah, you, Gemma, yeah. is it? Yeah, um, it comes in at the end of... It's kind of like a traditional tune, first of all. House Nine. In House Nine, yeah. yeah. Um, and then when we decided to put those two together, um, yeah, there's there's like an arpeggiator effect on a synth that kind of segues those two tunes together. But that came about, um, we actually just recorded it on a on a loop, on a synth and, and looped that. Um, but when we were writing that song, we were kind of hitting our heads against the wall with another song and coming to the end of like a day of songwriting Um up in Leitrim and uh, Morgan, we, we what had happened? We had kind of oh, I think I was in a bad mood. We'd run out of ideas. <laughs> We'd run out of ideas, and Gemma uh, was trying to. Well, you were you you were suggesting we write something else, and I think I was just like, I have no other ideas. I'm spent. I have nothing to give you. And you- I, I was suggesting like on the flip side because what we don't do that often is write in the same room. And as I said a few minutes ago, we've kind of solidified into that, like sending things back and forth. Mm. I think then we were like, we probably should, you know, try and also work in the same room sometimes. <laughs> and uh, this was one where uh, after the end of a long day, I was kind of like, look, we can we just like drop everything, try something new? And you were a bit like, no, I, don't, I have nothing. I have absolutely <laughs> nothing. And I was like, OK, grand, whatever. Um, so I just like sat down at the synth and started playing that loop. And I was just messing around. I was just playing that over and over and like messing around with sounds and things. And then Morgan just sort of like takes a mic and like just kind of quietly starts murmuring things. And I was like, what's going on over there? <laughs> I just kept playing and like didn't really like, didn't like try not to take her on in case it stopped. But then just like this entire monologue of like the whole of any dreams basically came out. Yeah, I'm um, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was that so was amazing. It. it was great. Yeah. Like I th- that was obviously in you and we hadn't, it was like a tough day and stuff as mm. well. But it was just like a nice, uh, it, it, I think the, the, the way that that song is, it's kind of is like a, a real meander. Um, yeah, because I mean, I, I guess like lyrically on that one, I found myself, it, it's the album closer, right? And like, I love the music in it. I love the vocal delivery. And I'm like, this could be me being like glass half empty kind of guy. But like, I'm like, no, I'm like, slag it off. No, I'm I, like, I'm like, she's pissed off. Like, oh, like, like, yeah, like, yeah. like there's a certain yeah. like, 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 like you wrote the song. I like, can I give my interpretation mm-hmm. of it, but like, I kind of took from it, like, well, this is frustration, like a lot of frustration in there. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like kind of like I guess maybe the monotony and the mundanity of of mm-hmm. life, and kind of like you know, kind of maybe running down 
endless corridors or mm-hmm. something. I didn't find it like Dan Beat or anything. Mm-hmm. And if anything, I thought it had a beautiful ambiguity, especially the way it closes the record with kind of a full stop. But like, yeah, even like, even like the way you say like, you know, keep them fixed. Mm-hmm. I was like, that sounds almost like, are you kind of hitting out at like people who've kind of told you to kind of stay in your lane or something? Is oh, that that's what? such an interesting interpretation. Yeah, there's, I hadn't really even thought about it in that sense, but I guess it is. I think there's steely determination and whether it's against your own bad thoughts and trying to hit hit back at those and trying to like think yourself out of them. Um, definitely there's moments of anger in that song and there's a few lines that are directed towards people. <laughs> it's, oh God, songwriting so bad because it's so one-sided. I feel so guilty whenever I talk about them because it's like you only like you get to say your point of view and the person that you're singing about doesn't get a look in but um, <laughs> yeah there's few moments where they're very pointed and, and there's moments of love and hopefully declarations of love and all that kind of stuff but there's also a few accusations I think in the song um, which they're, I feel like most of the other songs that we write are more like if they're uh, uh, they're normally turning those things inwards whereas this one is very like you didn't show up you didn't tell me anything after all and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I actually hadn't thought about that in, in a while. I've just been thinking about the the closing lines of it and that it is kind of, it's supposed to be hopefully in some way uplifting at the end because it is supposed to be like whatever dreams you have, keep them fixing your horizon, keep going. But there are moments, I think it is like quite steely. It's very... Yeah, um, like punchy. Yeah, punchy. That's good. Which is great. I mean, no, I mean, like it's, and again, like, I mean, like I... You know, like the last thing I want to do is make you spell out mm-hmm. the specificity of everything because that's the worst question anyone can ask anyone. <laughs> like, what's it about? But, uh, but it really struck me, and like a lot of the tone of the record really struck me as well because I mean, it's, like you mentioned earlier on, the idea of like maybe flirting with a pop thing to mm. a degree. And like, I I must confess, like when I heard karaoke song, I was like, oh, they're they're shooting for the radio, like they're going for like, a big commercial thing. But even that song, like I mean, that's out a couple of months now, right? And yeah. I think it's grown uh, quite lovelily. Is that a word? I don't think so. Uh, in, 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 in in short space of time, like in terms of, and again, I'm applying my own kind of, you know, um, Adams in the room. Uh, not 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 if you agree, like kind of sad boy kind of like like style thing that I that I'm always attracted to music wise. Yeah. <laughs> what? More like it's a bedroom pop kind of vibe. Yeah, mm. but but but, but there's a melancholy to it, and like mm. I'm usually drawn more to that than something that tells me everything is good. So. Yeah. And it's funny because we reviewed the uh, we reviewed the Olivia Rodrigo album on the show there about a month ago or so, and Craig and I were kind of, you know, like entranced by the pop hooks and everything, but we were kind of bemoaning the lack of metaphor. Mm. And I think uh, karaoke song is a beautiful metaphor, but it's also, uh, as I've written in my notes here, it's pretty fucking devastating. No, <laughs> <laughs> do you think that's good? I, th- I think it's pretty devastating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think is devastating about it? Because <laughs> it's well, first of all, it took me back to literal karaoke rooms yeah. with like people who are no longer in my life, yeah, and yeah. kind of being like, "Oh yeah, we had those little yeah. moments, and the lights did come on, yeah, and it, we all looked a bit silly, and yeah. but we were also, you know, it didn't matter. But now, but now, like you give out and to kind of be back there, even though it wasn't perfect at the yeah, time. Yeah. I mean, I like, hello, I'm projecting. No, no, no. That's that's so interesting. That's so good. Yeah, I think there is that moment in that song of the the lights come on and everybody's been caught like yeah. rapid and although you're having an amazing time it's like you know when you realise how kind of wavy and weird everyone's been but for <laughs> everyone's going along with it and then all of a sudden the lights come on and everyone's like oh yeah. right maybe we should all go home now but um, yeah it, I'm, yeah, I feel like we were never going to be able to write a really truly shiny pop thing and we weren't trying to write that way I guess you had just written that instrumental which um, definitely has a poppier feel to it and I struggled for ages to get the right lyrics for it and mm. normally well most of the time the, ly- the process is the opposite way where the lyrics and melody will come first and then the instrumentation but this um, fully formed like it just as you hear it basically demo um, was sitting on my laptop for so long before I knew what to do with it and it just happened because it was again in that Leitrim session I probably was in a terrible mood that whole time or maybe we both were in uh, go in between terrible moods but I remember it was a particularly hard day and I was trying to cheer Gemma up um, or like just lighten the mood I think a little bit and I was using that song and the lyrics to to tease her about an incident that had happened at the karaoke session that we'd just been at so I think it was <laughs> an, yeah, incident. <laughs> an incident I sang sex bomb <laughs> with a crush we'll get to yeah like I, I desperately want to get to the whole Tom Jones uh, oh, yeah, yeah, element yeah. of we this could go but, there. but for now please continue and also like is Leach really that bad <laughs> no it was actually a brilliant session but I think we just were not used to writing together so it's just when you spend five days or whatever yeah. in the same room 
with one focus and to write and, and when you get fed up with your own lack of talent and um, starting to get frustrated. But yeah, it just was, it was really throwaway. And um, that's, we thought that we'd replace all the lines in the song and that they were just kind of there as placeholders. And then we never did. And we started to like the song and then also it became this vehicle for pure enjoyment like we had so much fun recording it and we were laughing when we were um it's funny though because when I look back it's not like that gas but for whatever reason we just thought it was so hilarious when we were like singing sex bomb I think it was still very close to like it was the, just like a night. funny night out and stuff yeah, you know so we were like like when you're just kind of laughing about a night out with your friend like you were doing when we came in and then <laughs> we were yes we were, we were having a revelry yeah. as you guys arrived you know? started off as that and you're just a bit like still laughing about you know yeah just having the crack and then became a song well yeah. I gotta put you on the spot now like Gemma is <laughs> Sex Bomb Tom Jones really your karaoke drug of choice and if so what makes it the pinnacle of, of, of this incredible niche medium <laughs> I can't say I'd ever sang in karaoke before that night and probably after this I don't know if I'll sing it again or maybe I'll always sing it I don't know um, but my go-to karaoke is more like Avril Lavigne yeah uh, different vibes is yeah. it I'm with you yeah. exactly. oh come on it has to be yeah yeah like, yeah, yeah. What a heartbreaker. It's a heart, it, it's got it all. It starts off like, it starts off, you know, it's got the somber mood. By the end, everyone's like crying and shouting. Everyone loses Wailing. their voice because they yeah. all try and go for the big bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, it's great. Is this, all, is this also the part where two professional singers tell me that they're actually terrible at karaoke? Oh, oh yeah. No, but everybody's really terrible at karaoke. <laughs> really all you have to do is pick a song that's not in your key. Like I yeah. once did karaoke and a friend of mine looked so worried afterwards and then I did another song that was in my key and it was grand and she was like thank god I genuinely thought you'd forgotten how to sing and was worried for my career but no everyone I think it's better when you we've done karaoke in this very studio if I'm allowed to say so um, and it's oh we did a brilliant uh, rendition of oh the she, worst song in the world she hates me she fucking hates me wow. incredible <laughs> that was the last song <laughs> oh, my god. Jesus. Oh, I hate it when you get a pure Langer karaoke and everyone's just like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, pull the plug. That's the lights came on in that moment. We're like, oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> but, uh, like, like it only makes sense if you're hammered and it's like two in the morning, right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And the exactly. room is like David Lynch red. Like, yes, which it was in, yeah. Past, but yeah, but even then, it's just like, I don't know. Like, I mean, you think you're amazing, but it's probably, it's probably like, you know, there's probably like an industry of people who film karaoke sessions and are like, I have blackmail material. Yeah, for the yeah, rest yeah, of yeah. Days. Ooh. I mean, we could do it. Like, I mean, Set up a camera. It's, it's tough out there for, for creative types like us. But, um, it's but no, also I mean, a tough like, time for karaoke, though. Yeah, I guess super it is. Spreader, yeah, like, yeah. That yeah. is true. And fair play for, for giving it the, the, the advertising boost that it needs. Um, it's a great song. I mean, like in fairness, like, I th- like what you're saying about the idea of like having placeholders and you know being throwaway. Mm. I guess sometimes like the best magic is when you're just like, fuck it, like, don't be too precious. This actually works. Yeah. yeah and I think that that song was kind of a turning point for us as a in terms of the record there's a few other songs that are a bit more lighthearted, like date night and I think karaoke song was the first time that we were allowing ourselves to have fun in the lyrics and then now I am like excited to do that loads of times and I, I feel like I know I can write in that range which I just didn't think I could before But I'm also kind of fascinated now by this alternate glimpse at a different reality of maybe Saint Sister being some kind of Avril Lavigne as <laughs> yeah. pop punk oh, band. I mean, oh, you, I would love that. Like, I guess, like when you guys were cutting your teeth, so to speak. I mean, like, what were you listening to, and like, what did you kind of? Because I saw that you put up a. I guess it's like a is it a Facebook message or something that you sent Gemma in 2014 oh, yeah. <laughs> on your Instagram recently it's a beautiful thing and you're basically saying hello I'm a singer songwriter who wants to do something different yeah. uh, you may or may not be interested in, in, in doing something I'm looking to be a bit more alternative and cleverer yeah, I think clever you- <laughs> oh it was so embarrassing I, I think so that funny. what's really telling about that is I think I thought that like singer songwriter and this is kind of what I was getting at before like I think I thought quote unquote like girly music wasn't cool and I didn't have the confidence to 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 just go with whatever was coming out and 
I was determined to move away from that and I yeah and I even like cooler and cleverer I said all that stuff in the message because <laughs> I wanted to be taken more seriously and now I think like that was just so misguided and it definitely got us to where we are now but I'm so glad I'm relaxing and about that and like people like Seema or like you know these amazing musicians who are just front and centre um, doing whatever they want and singing incredible pop songs like that's really cool but I think as a 20-something a young woman, I thought that that wasn't the thing to do and that I should step away from it. And Gemma, when you received that message back on a presumably rainy night in 2014, <laughs> what, was your, what was your immediate reaction to this? Um, well, I'd seen Morgan play. Um, I'd seen like a few of your solo shows and like I had your EP and stuff and we, we'd known each other kind of loosely through mutual friends. So I was buzzing because like I was, hadn't really... Um, played well I had I'd been in, in different kinds of bands and done a lot of different like different types of gigging but not in this vein so it was really um I I was just excited to kind of jump in and try something with someone as well I think I was kind of maybe looking for that and hadn't realized uh so I think we kind of found each other at a good time yeah so on this record I mean like I think like like I say, I mean, I went in kind of anticipating perhaps more of a like across the board kind of sheen, which actually isn't there, and I think that's a good thing because they probably sound hollow. Um, mm-hmm. But like, I think it does manage to kind of move away a little bit from the idea of what maybe expectations of what a Saint Sister record would be. It's certainly not a retread of the first one, and also like I mean, you've, like you've got karaoke song, which like is a great single and, and obviously has depth that shattered my soul. We like <laughs> we have discussed this, and you've got that kind of you know block party esque kind of arpeggiator at the end, which is also very very cool uh house nine as well i mean like i i, I kind of thought of rodrigo and gabriella when i heard that um I, but also i mean i guess how much of the tone of the record comes down to production and, and comes down to songwriting because like like if, if you're not writing in the t- traditional sense but obviously you've said Gemma, that like the like the relationship you guys have works mm. Mm. i guess at what point do you arrive at kind of a i guess a coherent narrative from yeah. of 10 tracks yeah like it is an interesting one. I think on on this record, anyway. Um, I guess when when the songs are coming together, you know they are they're coming to either of us as as songs, as like singular pieces, and we're always just trying to find like the narrative for each one. Um, and and I think that that has always kind of come first. I think is that like serving the song. Mm. So um, there are a lot of different types of songs, song structures, um, forms, and and tones within the record, and. For me, it was just important to kind of like honor each one and, and make sure that everything has its has its space and that the that the the music or the production is is kind of following, yeah, following the song really. Um, so it is a bit varied, I think. Like there are a lot of there are different um, styles and different instrumentations and different uh, different forms across the record, which I definitely. It felt when we were recording it, you know, that there are there are kind of a few different worlds going on. But um, I think we, they also, despite that, uh, they were all written in such close kind of proximity and they were all recorded. Like we did quite a an intensive recording block. So it was like three weeks and then we came back for a week later maybe a month month following that and we did a, done a week before so it was it wasn't scattered over a year or anything so i think for that reason it feels really consistent mm. in my head um although there are a few different kind of words on there yeah i guess there's similar uh, musicians across yeah. the tracks so similar feel and um we were the studio had specific amazing instruments in there and different toys that Rian would bring yeah. out and I think them kind of scattered over the, the tracks kind of gives it its coherent feel. Mm-hmm. And I guess like I said before I don't ever really want to grill too hard on lyrics or like you know the sp- like exact definition of tracks or anything mm-hmm. but I guess thematically and like lyrically to a degree like what were you drawn to and what were you looking to explore on this one in particular? I think this one um is a lot more direct. I'm not exactly sure. I don't think there was an intention of what I wanted to explore. We were just, um, I, but I do know there was a, I was doing it in a different way and I wanted to, um, I didn't want to have any unnecessary words in there or heavy metaphors that couldn't be kind of seen through. I just wanted everything to be quite simple. And uh, in terms of content, it, we wrote all the songs 
over the course of a year while we were living in each other's pockets on the road. And um, it's not really an album by tour, but there's so many different little scenes that um, that I was trying to capture while we were on the road. So there's a night out that happened in um, North Carolina, uh, Canada, and then, yeah, just a different, different um, meaningful and um, important moments for us. And I think we just... We lived everything together for that year. So, so much of the um, lyrical content is from both of our um, experiences, which I really, really like because the first record was, some of the lyrics were written before I met Gemma. So there was no way they were going to represent the both of us the same way as this record will. And I can't wait for that next step where we're both singing about things that happened to both of us on stage. And we know exactly the full weight of them and, and what every line means and who we're referring to. And um, yeah, there there isn't really a, a narrative arc of the record, just, I guess, two gals trying to make sense of the world and, <laughs> and saying it in as plain terms as possible. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess making sense of the world is uh, one of those eternal questions. That, <laughs> yeah. But I guess like, like being on the road and writing, I mean, it's a rite of passage for musicians. Mm. Um is it is it hard? Like, for lack of a better question, like like is it even finding time and finding breathing space? Mm. Yeah, I think it, it is. But what I've loved, or I, I heard a quote recently, Phoebe Bridges was quoting somebody else who I can't remember who it was, but they said that you should always feel like you're having um, an affair with your art, and on the road, that's what it feels like, where you're dying to squeeze in a few minutes, and it's really exciting, and and you just want to anytime you have a couple of minutes, you're away writing this year has been the complete opposite of that and I haven't written a thing and it's just I just cannot wait to be overstimulated again Mm. and I it's bad for my mental health but it's really good for my writing to be in uncomfortable situations and not feel like there's enough time for my own head and be meaning people all the time well it's like your way out of those situations isn't it like trying to make sense of when there's like a lot of new things happening or odd things happening you kind of putting them into into words in that way but we haven't really had that at all this year yeah, at the risk of asking like um, at the risk of asking like a very kind of incorrect question. I mean, is it easier for a producer to be grounded? I mean, obviously with the way the year has been, like, is that an easier like to be like in front of a setup or whatever, like whatever your setup is? Yeah, I think that like although we're saying like a lot of the songs were written on the road, but very few of them would have been, you know, arranged or fleshed out like that or anything on the road. It would have been maybe like a lot of the lyrical content, mm. but a lot of my bits would be done at home for sure. Mm. Um, you can do a certain amount, and but uh, it's not. Yeah, I don't think it's quite the same. Um, I generally go around with like a tiny little keyboard and a few bits, but um, I think I'd rather be in like in a room on my own for a long period of time <laughs> to get that stuff done. So that's like again how what we talked about at the start that like they just require different things and different heads, hmm. and we'll we'll find our ways into the same songs at very different times and in very different ways and. I think we're leaning into that a bit more now. Yeah, Morgana, you were saying that like there's not necessarily a complete A to B through line on the mm. like on the album, but like a song like Manchester Air, for example, which is an absolutely stunning song, and something I particularly love in it is it feels like as much of the song is given up to instrumental, and it's an instrumental as well that comes, and it's very um, very Nick Cave and Warren Ellis, very Lancome, like it's incredibly mm. haunting and it has so much weight to it, and obviously it's reflective of the lyrics, which have so much weight to them as well. I mean, like much has been made, of course, of it being written about repeal mm. and about experiences of people who, you know, obviously had to, you know, go to other countries and look after themselves essentially, and like like you know, in, in the face of a government and a society that wasn't supporting them. Mm. Is it, like, how tricky is it, I suppose, to kind of get that right, for lack of a better kind of, like, like sensitive kind of, like, area? I mean, like, I think people would expect Saint Sister to, to knock it out of the park, and if that's even fair to say. <laughs> and the song is beautiful, and it does have, like I say, that kind of substance and that depth to it and that real kind of feel. But I guess putting that together from, from scratch must be a lot, right? Yeah, I I think it depends how you go about it. It it wasn't supposed to be a song about the repeal referendum and it wasn't supposed to necessarily represent um, that whole campaign and all the pain and all the frustrations and all the ups and downs. It came from a personal place and it's written about a, in a very personal way about a very small, well, big to the person who's living it, but 
it, it's it's kind of the micro. You know, it's not it's not supposed to be all encapsulating. But I think, um, and it is very important to get that right. And it's it's the reason I've tended to stay away from political songs, even though I would say both of us are pretty political people. It just has never felt right before. And any words that I've written that tried to make a point never made that point properly and always just came out wrong. So this song started from a personal place and I think it's still there. And I think the fact that it's personal and political, hopefully, I just, I guess the hope for that song is that somebody hears that story and feels like their story isn't as um, lonely or as out of place and that there's some sort of support uh, support within that space and that they can listen to the song and not feel as alone but um, it's not really trying to do anything more than that and I think if you if I was to try and do something more than that that's when I'd be getting it wrong Oh yeah, I mean it doesn't feel soapboxy hmm. like it doesn't feel didactic, it feels like you're trying to speak to an incredibly important time in human history and Irish history and I mean obviously like there are certain perspectives that maybe other artists just can't have and mm. like you know like uh, you mentioned the personal of course mm-hmm. and that's a tough thing to kind of convey but obviously people take from songs what they take from songs mm-hmm. people often don't even listen to the lyrics you know and kind of like it just they just kind of feel it and mm-hmm. there is like I say that like I, I keep coming back to the word weight because that's one that kind of stops you in, in, in your tracks and like like I say like there are kind of like you guys have a style you know but it's I think, I think it's I think it's malleable and I think mm-hmm. on this record like that is kind of showcased um, Lisa Hannigan's on the record of course and that felt like a very kind of when I saw it I was like oh yeah of course I was like <laughs> that will work uh, how did that come together? Um, well we, like we've been lucky and very grateful to have like sung with Lisa a bunch of times over the last few years Um we first, she asked us to support her uh, in her European tour for her At Swim record in 2017. So we spent like a month on the road with her and her band and um, opened all the shows. But at the end of every of her shows, um, she brought us up to sing on her song, Anna Horish. So we did that in three parts every night. And it was just so like, like the dreamiest thing ever to be singing with Lisa um, in three parts that way. And yeah, I think... I think this song, uh, when Morgan first sent it to me, she sent me the the lyrics and melody, and it was it was pretty much there, like the full structure, and um, you know it's kind of in like in like folk folk structure, like there's no it's not a chorus, it's a it's a, it's a verse, it's in verses, and um, I tried a bunch of different things to try and accompany it or put to the melody, but everything just felt like it was getting in the way. It's so vocally driven and so melodically driven, and um, kind of ended up stripping it way back and thinking it should be like largely a cappella really um and I guess we sing that way all the time just the two of us but uh there's something really magic about just adding that third harmony and you just get like you, the completion of the chords and you can kind of just take it to another place and um once we got that in their minds we just kind of thought that like the first voice that came to mind was Lisa's and we've wanted to sing with her that way again for so long so that was kind of um uh yeah we were just really buzzing that she said yes uh you mentioned that you supported her i'm right in saying that you were supposed to support you were due to support keen in america pre-pandemic we we got uh four dates of the way through a 16-day tour um before the world Fuck. (laughs) Uh, is it like can you kind of take me into that kind of space and time like 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 what was that like what was the kind of obviously insane I would imagine and probably horrendous but it feels long ago almost at this point it's mad like so I guess it was at the time when like things were like Covid was a thing right Mm. things were getting pretty bad Mm -hmm. well they weren't it wasn't here yet in Ireland but it was that thing of like it was still a a thing that was in Europe and not yet in America so we were like like, America's the safest place yeah. to be right now <laughs> <laughs> like that whole narrative and oh other God. people were saying it too they were like oh you know it's good you're getting out of here like it's so naive like everyone was just I don't know in we denial or whatever we had the clue and like but I remember on the way over I flew over separately from all of you because yeah. I was coming home separately so I flew over on my own and just was hooked on like every news pod anything about COVID was like in my ears on the way over and I was just like lads I really don't know if we should be doing this and like going through the airports and like everything was just starting to get a bit freaky and I was like, I'll just buy a load of hand sanitizers just in case it was all sold out and I was just like, what's going on? And um, it was when we got there, like everywhere, 
it wasn't a, there weren't there were, there were just a few small kind of you know that was like localized clusters and stuff that was kind of starting to spring mm-hmm. up in the states so pretty much everywhere that we were on the west coast at the time and um it just it was really starting to kind of kick off there i think we were there for about a week mm. and it just seemed like we started off up in vancouver and then went down to seattle and there had been a an outbreak in seattle and the, the, just as we kept moving down the west coast just these things kept appearing and it was just getting like just getting more and more and then uh yeah i think we got four gigs in and we were on our way to denver um so it was like a two day drive from la and within those two days like the travel ban had been introduced and the you know it was all kind of kicking off mm. and so it all really it all came down pretty fast mm. um and we just yeah we just came home we had um did a show with Dahi there back in March of last year. He was over in Vietnam at mm. the time, and we, like the entire episode's about this, and it's 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 an incredible episode that I can't believe he has let me leave up. Mm. I'd be like take that down. <laughs> but he talks about like going over for like a Paddy's Day thing, and then he said like when he was coming home, like like the mountain chaos, and he said I'm, I'll, I'll never forget him saying he was like so he was looking at all the boards, and they were just going red 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 red, and oh he was God. like fuck yeah. Scary, um, I had a friend yeah. fly out for a holiday to America at like pretty much like. At a time when it, you should, you've like, you should. don't go. Yeah. But he went and he was there like a week and he like messaged the group chat and was like, I feel like it's getting pretty serious. What do you, <laughs> what, what, what do you think, guys? And all of us were like, just come home <laughs> now, get back. But I mean, like, what, like, if this might be a ridiculous question, but like, what were the, what were those first shows like? I mean, like, mm. like, like, how, how was that, like, how was it going? And it was going so well, which is <laughs> why it was so sad. <laughs> yeah. We, and especially the last show, we really found our feet. We were in LA. Um, in the Dolby Theatre which mm-hmm. was where they had held the Oscars like the month before and we were like oh we were just playing the venues we'd, we'd never played to before and the crowds were so lovely and normally as a support act it's it's sometimes the crowds even if it's a big show they're not there for you and they don't really care but they were just really receptive and mm-hmm. we were just having a great time and we played that last show and this is just how quickly everything changed we played that last show not knowing it was our last show and then two days later we were home and it's yeah. just so funny how yeah how quick everything changed and how everyone went at different paces because I think I was arguing that we should stay and play <laughs> <laughs> like the next show because it hadn't been cancelled and everyone was like I think we should get home and then 24 hours later I was like what the hell was I thinking like it just that would have been so irresponsible but it was so it felt mad either way yeah it felt really drastic to be like we're gonna leave this tour yeah of course in case like it was just it's so hard to bring yourself back to that mind like nobody knew what was going on yeah so on one hand I was like I think we should go home but I also realised that that might be an overreaction <laughs> yeah, and I was like as typical you're overreacting Gemma we should definitely stay and play I think I can shows. take this one yeah. it's a huge get though like like getting on the tour like because first of all I was like oh yeah Keen I was like they've got that song I love yeah, 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 yeah. loads of bangers two great songs uh, well they've got several they've, they've two songs uh, uh, several. I'm obsessed several. Yeah, <laughs> listen to me hastily backtracking um, Somewhere Only We Know I think is like a fucking yeah. all timer just mm-hmm. incredible it's so yeah. I've no time for the Lily Allen John Lewis ad cover. Oh, Go. do you not like it? No, I, I can't like it as well. I don't like that thing. That you don't thing, like the thing. The thing that that people John do. Lewis. Yeah, because yeah, like, yeah. like I remember the. Okay, like, maybe you guys have a good answer for this. But like, the, can you remember the first time that you like saw that like being a thing? Of like, I remember like years and years ago watching like a fairly crap TV show and there was a cover of Girls Just Want to Have Fun mm, and like yeah. and of course you know it's a guy doing it mm. and it's the slowed down sad yeah, piano yeah, version yeah, yeah. and I was like this is revolutionary I, was like, <laughs> yeah. I can't believe this and then of course you're just like oh this is actually the worst thing that anyone can do yeah. and now granted like I, I'm referring more to like when lads do it like Arctic Monkeys doing fucking Love Machine and everyone's mm. like oh it's cool it's like Girls Loud now and I was like fuck off yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. rule but yeah, like, yeah. I, I just don't like this kind of like I'll take that song and I'll just make it a bit sad. I think that's how we approach every one of our covers. So I'm. Yeah. A, that's the I end of the like we're, we're, we're about to be caught out here. Goodbye. No, but I, yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean, and it's such a little like hack, and everyone's doing it. But I still think I'm a bit of a sucker for it. I just think sometimes, like a song, like um, this has happened to us a few times when we go to cover a song, and when you strip it all back, like we've done that with um, we covered "Dancing in the Dark," which is like a banger. And, you know, it's such an upbeat song and it's brilliant crack and everything. But when you take everything off and you sing the lyrics, you're like, that's heartbreaking. I should mm. clarify it. What I meant to say was, when St. Sister did <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, no, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> it's it, Like, it's transcendent. It changes music itself. But if, you know, 
Uh, yeah, like Dermot Kennedy does it. I like, I like Dermot Kennedy, former guest of the show, but still. So I guess when I'm uh, in a bit to save myself, um, can we get a St. Sister strip back version of Sex Bomb by Tom Jones? Like, is that going to happen? It, when you strip everything off, will you be like, oh my God, that is, this is the saddest song I've ever heard? Yeah, I'll be in bits. Yeah. I'll be like, oh yeah, I think we could do it. Yeah, maybe we have to now. Yeah. Yeah, well, listen, I mean, like, like I, I, I will, I, I've been wrong before, you know, it, it's happened. But yeah, I obviously can't end it on that note of me just... I'm going to take this opportunity to have my uh, lovely sparkling water. Oh, incredible, oh perfect, yes. I got sparkling water for everybody, and Morgana said that it, what was it you said? Tastes like puke, was it? Sick. Yeah. But, Sick. <laughs> but to be fair, I thought you were just having that, an abstract conversation about whether you like sparkling water or still water. I, I didn't know you would got it for us. But yeah. it was also, yeah, relevant to the... Uh, <laughs> to me being like, trying to be a good host. But I've been really a bad appreciate host, so, it. so it's okay. Okay, so she's drinking it. Famous, famed, not fan of sparkling water. Do you know what? She's That's pret- really nice. Shut, no, you stop pretending you like it. <laughs> no, <laughs> I just told you she would do this. Should clarify, store bought. I didn't make this. This is not like some kind of weird Dave Homebrew midlife crisis thing that's going on. No, I can see what all of this is about now. <laughs> band mm-hmm. um, that's very evident in kind of all the moves you made so far and certainly in terms of putting this record together is it a case of just wanting full independence I mean surely there's been some label interest like like, like are you just like go away boardroom executives <laughs> it's a difficult one for so long I think all we just wanted a record deal and that was like I think at the start it was like okay get a record deal and that'll be the thing that fixes all your problems and then I guess anyone who's in the music industry knows that it does not fix your problems and that any deal that we were bound to get was probably not going to be a great deal. And there was a, f- a few things that we looked at and really seriously considered, but they just weren't the ones for us. They didn't feel right. And um, yeah, we had to walk away from a few of them and it was heartbreaking at the time. But uh, I'm really glad that we made that decision because we've been able to do exactly mm-hmm. what we wanted with this record. And um yeah, say exactly what we want, do it the way we want. It sounds exactly how we want. And um, yeah, I can't say that we'll necessarily be independent forever. I mean, like it would be amazing if someone could help us with all, because it's really hard releasing a, a record independently, but it definitely felt like the right thing to do for this time. Yeah, they're, they're a huge commitment, I think. And like they have to be, you know, you have to feel like it's the right fit. Um, we've also been really fortunate. We have like a extremely supportive management company who have mm. been very supportive of those decisions of ours to kind of um, not take certain things in the past, which is like, that's been, you know, that's the reason we were able to to do that. So mm-hmm. really grateful for that. So the record is called Where I Should End. I guess before we end this interview, I would like mm-hmm. to know what endings kind of mean to you, whether it's from a writing point of view or even like something like this process where like you're now, like I'm talking to you two days before the record's release. Yeah. And we can plug the vinyl in a moment, which I really mm-hmm. want to do, because obviously I love vinyl now. Um, but um, <laughs> like, what is this part of the, of the journey like? Because you're like, here you go, everyone, this is our thing, it's yours now. Mm-hmm. Is there any kind of trepidation there whatsoever? Or are you just like, be free? Um, mostly, I think, I'm thinking that I, I can't wait for it to be out there and it, for it to be free. But endings in general, I think are quite sad and kind of sometimes anticlimactic. And you, you put so much into something and no matter, and you've so much so many expectations so no matter what happens you're always left a little bit crestfallen um and I'm anticipating that I'll feel like that just because I always feel like that even if the if something ends or changes even if it's for the better I always feel a bit a bit sad but um yeah I I think we've had this for so long this record and it has it's been such a weird year and not very inspiring uh, even though so much has been going on but I think it's time to say goodbye to that record and hopefully putting it out in the world would, will mean that we can move past it and please God write some new songs. It's kind of only the start of it as well though like we've just been sat on it for so long but um, 
it really just it does take on a new life and a new mm. form I think when it when you finally that's what it's for is to like put it out yeah so um it it feels like you can it's a new face um and I guess something that we're not quite getting this time around but that you know no one's getting is the the live part of things which is that's how you kind of find your way back in um and you get to kind of bring it to life again every night or whatever um but we'll yeah we're hopefully getting to do that soon in a live stream that we're going to be doing where we're going to have all of the players from the record back in um or nearly everyone anyway and all the instrumentation from the record back in and perform that together which is like that's going to be a really nice like celebration and a nice kind of sending it out into the world that way awesome and uh, crestfallen by the way one of my favourite words of all time so <laughs> absolute pleasure uh, Gemma that was a beautiful segue like, I'm normally the one like doing like trying like falling over myself to do links so please tell us more about this live stream coming up if you can and also uh, I understand that there are different vinyl uh, vinyls available of this one there's a deluxe edition with a songbook mm-hmm. basically plug everything you got now guys please yeah so we, we spent um, a good bit of time this year with uh so Joshua Fanning was a designer for uh, all of our artwork and Elias Grace who did the photography and helped us with the design as well. Um, putting, yeah, so we have a deluxe version of the vinyl which is a lovely like two double gatefold LP and within that we created a songbook. It's essentially a, a book of lyrics but we just went a bit further with it and like it's an A4 size. We put some excerpts of scores in there from some of the string parts and some of the heart parts in the album and we have some quotes that inspired the certain lyrics and um, it's just like a nice, it's a nice thing to have to <laughs> flick through, you know. You're really solid. I'm solid. Um, <laughs> a nice thing to have. It's a nice thing to have, guys. Uh, no, it really is very nice. <laughs> but a nice like accompaniment, you know, to if you're the type of person who sits at home and listens to a record whilst reading a book yeah. at the same time. That's is, there, is there anything better? Um, so yeah, obviously like no no full on gigs for now, but yeah. uh, where can people see you next? What is the what is the plan there? So live stream on the 8th of July and yeah. then um, in November, I guess, is the, is the next um, tour, Irish and UK tour. Mm-hmm. Um, tickets are on sale now. They're going very fast, so... Please God. <laughs> I'm sure people will be absolutely clamouring for gigs and uh, I look forward to seeing you soon in a different setting. But for now, thank you so much for coming into the studio and chatting to us. It was uh, extremely lovely, even if I did accidentally slag off your your, your style of covering. I'm going to learn from the experience. Like, that's the most important thing. I was just defending like, sad songs in general. I love sad songs. Not our I missed your sad song. Like, you know, like, <laughs> another time. That can be the next time we do an interview. It'll just be about sad songs that we like. But for now, uh, Where I Should End is the record. It's out now. As of this podcast being out, it's beautiful. Congratulations to Morgana and Gemma, the scene sister, and thank you so much for chatting to us. Thanks so much. Thank you. That was Saint Sister. That was Morgana McIntyre and Gemma Doherty in conversation on No Encore. Their new record, Where I Should End, is out now. If you haven't already ordered the vinyl, what kind of Philistine are you? Uh, thank you again to both of them for coming in. They were very, very busy. So much going on, and it was an absolute pleasure to kind of just pause everything for an hour or so. We could have talked all night, but I'm glad that we kept it to an hour, because it probably just would have been me like saying, you guys are really good, and who wants to hear that? They are really good. I think it speaks for itself. Truly a magnificent record. I highly encourage everyone to check it out. I'm sure you already have, but, you know, go check it out again. Why not? And uh, while you're here, of course, this is the part where I plug the show's Patreon once again. I know it's capitalism gone wild and I hate doing it, but patreon.com slash noencore does help us out an awful lot. We are a fiercely independent show. Uh, that is never more true than right now, uh, believe me. So patreon.com slash noencore if you want to help us out, whether it's myself and Craig, if, you know, if we're your favourites or if you just love Sonic architect adam and you know you're going to help us hang on to him for a while that'd be great too no pressure to do so uh, no pressure to tell people about the show either but why not you know it's a good show you might as well and from good to great 
Saint Sister, what a link. Saint Sister, themselves incredible at linking, incredible at songwriting, incredible people. Morgana and Gemma, it was an absolute pleasure to talk to them. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And for now, until a couple of days from now when I'm back again, my name is Dave Hanready. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. And we're back uh, extremely soon. Let's do it. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Looking for a way to make online learning a better option for your family? When it comes to virtual learning, experience matters. Tuition-free K-12-powered schools are ready to put over 20 years of experience to work for you, giving your child the personalized learning they deserve without disruptions. With a K-12-powered school, students gain the skills they need to be prepared for their next steps in life, building a better future for each one of us. K-12, education for any one. Learn more at k12.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.